Hey everyone, welcome back to Disney Rewind, the only podcast in my knowledge that is going through every Disney movie and talking about the history and whether it holds up. I also haven't been doing a lot of research on other Disney podcasts. But anyway, today we are back. Uh, Last episode, of course, we looked at the inaugural film Snow White, but today we are back with 2009's Princess and the Frog. Um, On a personal level, I really have no cognizant memory of watching this film. As a child, I definitely did, and it was not in theaters. Yeah, I rewatched it for the first time in about 10 years in preparation for this podcast. But does it hold up well? You're just going to have to find out. Once again, all sources will be provided in the description of the podcast, so if you're interested in what I looked at, you can find it there. The Princess and the Frog was released on December 11th, 2009 to rave reviews. It has the honor of featuring Disney's first and, to my knowledge, only black princess currently. This, of course, is not the origins of this tale. As we always do, let's take a trip back to our friends, the Brothers Grimm, to get the whole story. I will be discussing the plot of the original story and the movie, so spoiler warning ahead. Uh, This story was first published in 1812 in a collection I won't even try to pronounce. It's in German. But it is uh, Grimm Tale 001, which means it has the distinguished honor of being the first story in the collection. This story tells the tale of a beautiful young princess who loses her ball in a deep, dark well. What also lives in this well is a frog who can speak. He says that if she will love and take care of him as a companion, he will retrieve her ball for her. The princess, being a normal human, takes the ball and runs on the frog's uh, return. If I ran into a frog who talked, I'd probably do the same thing. This frog doesn't like this reaction, of course, so the next day he hops to the castle to talk to the princess. The frog interrupts what I can only imagine to be a delicious breakfast. So he interrupts, and the distraught princess explains the whole story to her father, the king. Uh, The king, instead of taking her side, takes the frog's side and says she must respect the agreement. After breakfast, the frog wants to take a nap and forces the princess to come with him. Uh, The princess reluctantly agrees. Uh, Once in the room, she chucks the frog at the wall, uh, trying to kill it to free herself. But as she throws it, it morphs into a prince. Um, They get married for whatever reason, and they live happily ever after. Not sure about the moral of this story, but maybe it's protecting your local amphibians. So what about the movie? The movie's main character is not a princess, but just a young uh, woman living in New Orleans in the late 1920s. Tiana, our main character, is saving up in hopes of creating her very own restaurant. Cooking is very important to her. It's something she did with her father, who passed away, presumably in World War I. Her friend Charlotte, who is notably both wealthy and white, gives Tiana the rest of the money one day so she can cater an event. Now, the gimmick with this event is it will be attended by Prince Naveen of Maldonia. Naveen is a young bachelor looking for a new life, but is hiding the fact that he is actually totally broke as his family has decided to cut him off. He and his valet Lawrence arrive in New Orleans via boat and run into Dr. Fassier. Fassier. It's French. Who is a voodoo witch doctor. He lures them in with the promise of wealth and power, but turns Naveen into a frog and then allows Lawrence, the valet, to take the place of Naveen. Um, actually taking over his body almost. Dr. Facilier's goal is to have the fake Naveen marry Charlotte and kill Charlotte's father to inherit the wealth that he feels that Lawrence owes him. I will be using Lawrence and fake Naveen maybe interchangeably, but understand they are one and the same. Uh, Meanwhile, Tiana is talked into kissing the real frog Naveen, who lets her know it will turn him back into a human. What it really does is also turn her into a frog. 
Uh, couple this with the fact that she was just told she was outbid for the restaurant and it has become a very difficult night. As the two frogs are swept into the bayou, they meet your typical Disney side characters. One is a jazz-loving alligator named Lewis. Another is a firefly in love with a star. Dr. Facilier cuts a deal with the underworld that he will give them the souls of the New Orleans populace in exchange for helping catching Naveen. You see, his goal was to also kill Naveen so the illusion could last forever, but since Naveen escaped in frog form, the illusion will run out, thus ruining the plan. In the meantime, our heroes meet one Mama Odie, an old blind voodoo queen. She explains that in order for them to return to human form, Naveen must kiss a true princess. Due to Charlotte's father being the king of Mardi Gras, Charlotte is technically a princess. Determined to return to normalcy, the group sets back to New Orleans. Over this time period, Naveen and Tiana fall in love. They return to New Orleans during Mardi Gras with the mission that Naveen needs to kiss a real princess before midnight. The fake Naveen is about to get married to Charlotte, something that leads to the classic tragedy of errors, uh, seeing Tiana feel like she was used. She gets separated from Naveen, who's being attacked by demons, and then when she f sees the fake version, she just assumes it's the real version who just used her and will leave her in the dust as fraud form. This, of course, is not the case, as the real Naveen, as I just mentioned, was captured. Through some convincing, Tiana learns that she was wrong. Through a kind of cool sequence, the heroes get the evil pendant, at the cost of the Firefly's life. Once the pendant is destroyed, Facilier is dragged to hell by the demons who want their payment now. As the fake Naveen who uh, transforms violently into the original form of the valet, he is carted off by the police. Charlotte then agrees to kiss the frog form of Naveen, hoping to change him back into a human. This doesn't work, however, as it's past midnight, but the couple decide that they're fine as frogs. They get wed and kiss, but since she is technically a true princess now, they both become human. The film ends with Lewis playing jazz at the opening of their new restaurant and a happy ending until presumably the Great Depression hits. Back to Disney. So at this point in time, Disney was done making classical animation films. Uh, with the recent acquisition of Pixar, they were plowing ahead with the ideas that the future of these movies are CGI, something that they still hold um, to be true. This film marks a very short period of time where they wanted to go back to the classic style of animation due to a change in management. Uh, this film and 2011's Winnie the Pooh are the last to be drawn in that style before switching over to CGI for good. This film was actually born out of the acquisition of Pixar, who had planned on making this film anyway. Uh, Disney actually had similar plans to make this film as well, so once they became partnered, it, it was an easy decision that they should go ahead and pool the ideas they were working on to create one fluid film. Ron Clements and John Musker were brought in to direct the film, and they're no strangers to Disney. They've directed many of the Disney Renaissance films that hopefully we'll be discussing soon. I don't know whose turn it is to pick next, but I'm feeling we might be leaning towards Pixar as a little hint. This film also marks a short return to the Broadway musical style made popular during the aforementioned uh, Renaissance of Disney. We still see this musical style today with films like Moana, Coco, Frozen 2, but there are plenty of films that they also do that are more in the style of just a uh, straight Disney movie. Um, Onward, I think, is an example. The film was announced to the public in 2006 and was immediately met with backlash. Many important figures in the African-American community spoke out against the film. Uh, I do want to note that these outrages had merit, as Tiana was originally supposed to be a chambermaid, uh, 
while this is inappropriate for obvious reasons, it's further aggravated due to the fact that many black actresses and actors rarely got acting roles outside of playing the help until very recently. Also protested in the early stages of the film were the decision to make the prince white, something that was changed, and the racist stereotypical nature of the villain, which was also changed. Further complications occurred due to Hurricane Katrina and the support or lack thereof that the city had to deal with after the fact. This was a very hot talking point at the time, as many, including famous rapper Kanye West, felt that the lack of support was racially motivated. Many changes were made to save the film at this point, in, uh, including switching all the things that I mentioned previously and hiring Oprah Winfrey to not only voice a character, but also to serve as a consultant for the film. Don Hall wrote this film. Uh, he had previously written the film Meet the Robinsons. He wanted to use the ideas of a classic princess tale and the style of that tale, but adjust it enough to where it felt fresh and new. The film also continues the typical Disney Pixar motif of using food to invoke emotions. Uh, Tiana's identity, as mentioned before, is closely connected with her father and food, which go hand in hand. Other films to do this off the top of my head are Ratatouille, Bao, and if you're looking for a classic, Lady in the Tramp. Tiana, the character, was inspired by restaurateur Leah Chase, who passed away last year at the age of 96. Uh, food and Wine named her restaurant one of the most important in the last 40 years, and she is a very famous individual in the civil rights movement, as well as just a famous member of New Orleans, um, a city with a bright and vibrant culture. The role of Tiana was hotly contested, with Jennifer Hudson, Alicia Keys, and Tyra Banks all vying for the role. It was eventually awarded to Anika Noni Rose, who we will discuss later when we touch on actor and actresses, but it's just cool to note all the people that could have played this. The most notable films that were used for inspiration are Bambi, which served to inspire the backdrop of the bayou, and Lady and the Tramp for the scenes in the city. A choreographer was brought into the studio to assist with diversification of movement between characters. Uh, a great example of this is the character of Lewis the Alligator, who is probably the heaviest character in the film and moves with a discernible weight compared to the lightness of compared to the lightness of Naveem or Tiana as a frog. Randy Newman was chosen to compose the film as it was felt that he couldn't capture the sound of New Orleans and Neo was chosen to write the final song Never Knew I Needed and I can say this with the utmost confidence that song is a banger. Before the movie had even released Disney was making money from it. Princess Tiana costumes were in extremely high demand as word of mouth about the film traveled fast and strong. Hair products modeled after what the character would have used sold out as well. It got to the point where a cookbook and a bridal gown were being planned. Uh, the cookbook would have been awesome. No comment on the gown. Also before the movie was an attraction at Walt Disney Resorts in Florida and Disneyland in California. Actors playing Tiana, Naveen, Louie, and Dr. Facilier would come out, sing a few numbers, and finish with a short story time segment. This was eventually phased out, but not before being changed post the movie's release. Before we talk about the box office and the actors and actresses, let's look at America at this time. Uh, on a large scale, the United States had just come out of a recession thanks to the stock market crash of 2008. Barack Obama was president at the time and was dealing with the woes of his first term. The war in the Middle East was still in full swing. The New York Yankees had just defeated the Philadelphia Phillies and the Steelers earlier in the year won the Super Bowl over your Arizona Cardinals. What is everybody talking about? Balloon Boy. And whether or not Tiger Woods has an issue with womanizing. In the tech world, Microsoft just released Windows 7. The film did very well in theaters, uh, beating out a majority of other films that came out in the 2000s, but not eclipsing the 90s masterpieces. So while it did do better than films like Home on the Range and Meet the Robinsons, it did not get anywhere close to films like Hercules or Tarzan. 
It also did not help that Avatar, the uh, Blue People one, came out a week later. Tiana, as a character, has enjoyed some staying power, appearing in Wreck-It Ralph 2, but will most likely fall victim to the same issues that other 2000s Disney films faced. Except for people like me, who watched it growing up, it was largely forgettable. So let's talk about the talent. Worthy of mention, of course, includes Anika Noni Rose, who played Tiana. She is still very prolific and has some new films coming out this year. Uh, she hosted a hometown screening of Princess and the Frog in a non-profit community arts center in her hometown. So, can of coke to you. Bruno Campos played Naveen. Uh, today, he's working for a lawyer for Morgan Lewis and Bacchus firm. Fun fact, the firm actually legally fought for the 2008 same-sex marriage bill on the grounds that it would help the economy. It is also ranked as one of the best places to work if you are a member of the LGBTQ community. Keith David played Dr. Facilier, and this man has done everything. Um, he has been in pretty much the majority of video games I've played. Other actors of note appearing in this film who were not uh, in lead roles included Jim Cummings, who famously voices Tigger in the Winnie the Pooh franchise. John Goodman of Big Lebowski fame, also a repeated Disney collaborator, appears in the film as well. Oprah and Terrence Howard both have small roles, and Oprah served as a consultant as mentioned before. So, what did we think? Welcome back to <laughs> Disney Rewind, um, the show where we watch them so you don't have to. I don't know. I'm coming up with taglines and names right now. That <laughs> sounds uh, very similar to the ending pending podcast <clears throat> tagline. Also very similar to the Nostalgia Critic, someone I don't look up to at all. And the Flophouse a little bit. Okay, well, I, we can talk about my failures as a podcast host <laughs> later. But tonight we're talking about The Princess and the Frog, our second Disney movie. As always, or tentatively until we escape from this prison we call life, I am joined by... <laughs> oh, hi, I'm Max... Hey, Steve. Oh, I'm Ashley. Rebecca. Now, Rebecca slash mom will not be joining us for discussion tonight. She didn't watch the movie. Well, I did with Max. Right. Four weeks ago. Well, you can still try. A very long time ago. (laughs) Anyway, Ashley and I have prepared some Rod Squad style philosophy slash morality questions for us to go over. And then we'll talk about our general thoughts. And then um, ratings. And there's Violet. So, the first question, uh, working hard or hardly working, the dynamics between a hard worker and a freeloader in The Princess and the Frog. So, what did we think about the moral, I guess the moral of the story in when it comes to hard work? I'm assuming, well, let's first talk about what did we think the moral in regards to working was. I thought it was that (laughs) you shouldn't, you should work hard to achieve your goals, but sometimes you need to know when to take it easy, especially when you're living in the big easy. That's New Orleans, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That, that's basically the moral for me. It's because they were on s- such different ends of the spectrum. <clears throat> the whole thing was you need to find a balance in the middle that you can compromise on. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100% with Max. No, I don't know. I think, Thank you. I, know I think the moral is fate is a funny, uh, a funny uh, whatever fate is. Uh, it just happens. Yes, because you've got the princess who works hard, has a dream, and fights, fights, fights for it. And you got this prince guy who stumbles ass backwards into being a prince. Then the princess <laughs> does all the work, and then when it's done, he just tags along and latches onto her dream. It's like, hey, great, here I am. So he's like, and with an equal status as the princess in terms of happiness, and he didn't do anything except be a charming frog. Well, he had so just- charm versus hard work. He had to suffer the plight of uh, of the the young rich kid who just got thrown out by their parents. <laughs> didn't seem to bother him too much. No, he didn't seem too upset about it either. Um, I think another moral could be like 
showing how you actually feel because they both acted happy throughout the whole thing but with tiana since she's the main character we got to see more of her like uncomfortableness or like her being upset when her friends talked about her saying i knew she wouldn't come but in the end it's just stated we're both unhappy with our lives and we should be able to be happy and we don't have to hide what we're feeling Prince Naveen's a pretty interesting guy in general. You know, he, he kind of he gets lucky in this movie. His dad was saying he ends up with the restaurant that he didn't really foot the bill for at all. His but you parents have to, didn't. You have to imagine that once his parents find out he's working, that they might bring him back into the money fold. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you know, the restaurant, the restaurant will be there, possibly. I think the point is he doesn't need the money anymore because he's he, found happiness. Well, also because now he has a stable job with a. Steady income. But is, what's his job? He, uh, he works a at the restaurant. Yeah, he's like a busser. He works. He it's sometimes. What he looks, well, he's like a waiter. It's, he's a waiter. It's like early New Orleans Hooters, except with men. Well, yeah, so. I think the thing he does is sometimes he'll cook when he feels he does for his parents, and he'll play music there. Obviously, he's gonna be a prince when his parents like die or something. But you mean a king? A king when his parents die or something, but right now he has a steady job with good income, working with his wife. Until he gets started doing it. Well, right. yeah, and then he can divorce Tiana. And or until move the on. other busboys decide to murder him in back because he's doing the same work as they are, and he's got half the restaurant, <laughs> and they're getting the minimum wage and the big easy. Yeah, right after Katrina, which is true. Ooh. Well, this take—I mean, okay. First of all, they have to deal with the Great Depression first. Let's uh, let's 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 save Katrina for the next. Right. Well, I mean, then they can just the both go back to uh, Naveen's country and like become prince and princess, and it'll be fine. I wonder if the moral is money doesn't buy happiness, but money definitely buys all of Tiana's happiness. It buys her the restaurant. It was supposed to be money won't buy happiness. I think it's supposed to be just work hard to be, for your goals. To be fair, extortion via alligator did also help. Well, yes. Well, that bad guy wasn't sitting on his butt either. He worked pretty hard. He, he did work got, hard. But he was working but he was hard. Cheating. He was well, taking the true. easy route of yeah, working. Because his, his, you talked about what his name meant already, right? No, I actually didn't. Dr. Fessier. It means easy, right? Yeah, it means easy in French. So he literally is easy. But he worked harder than a prince. That yeah, he is. definitely yeah. worked harder than He had to learn all that voodoo and go to evil voodoo school. Right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And evil voodoo school is not cheap. That's four years. Yeah, that's four years. <laughs> I thought it was 12. I thought yeah. it was the same as a doctor, if actually. You, if you flunk out, you're not just walking out the door. Yeah. Well, you out to the door. be fair, he did flunk at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what he I think he was still end, in but. school, actually. Well, he trusted idiots. That was his problem. Yes. Yeah. But a happy ending, I don't think they really care what we think about capitalism in their film. Yeah. It's just supposed to be, it's it's for kids. But I think it does have some good takeaway messages, you know? Like, yeah. work hard for your goals is a pretty good message to teach your kids young. Yeah. yeah. And save, definitely. Is but still be able to, like, have fun as well. Yeah. Don't sacrifice everything. That's right. If you wish upon a star, all your dreams will come true. Well, standard Disney message. And literally in this movie. Yes. Also, if you fall in love with a star, you'll be turned into a star when you die. Oh, yeah. That, okay. was, a, that was a message in yeah. this movie. I don't think we're going to go into the astrophysics on why that wouldn't work <laughs> tonight. Maybe another time. Second question. Will they, won't they? Is it Hollywood's most annoying romantic trope, or sometimes is it slightly endearing? Oh, it's so annoying. 
You don't like the Sam and Dianing of uh, no, Tiana I, and Naveen? I thought the trope of one being a hard worker, one being laid back was super cute. I just don't like that whole, oh... They added stuff, too, where, like, Ray was like, oh, you're flirting with my star Firefly to prolong it. I think every Disney movie does this to an extent, right? It does. No, I just don't like it. It's a movie trope. Yeah. Your mom and I are watching one now. It's Boy Gets Girl, Boy Loses Girl, Boy Gets Girl. That's when it's Girl Wants Boy, Girl Gets Turned Into a Frog, before the Boy Gets Turned Into a Frog, too. <laughs> It sounds like sorry. sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just gonna say sounds like she's all that. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Hugo Ash. It's kind of almost a love triangle in a way as well, because you have um, what's her friend's name? Charlotte. Charlotte. Oh yeah. Charlotte. I like her. You have like her, and then you have Naveen, and then you have Tiana, because you have that conflict like near the end when she, they get to the floats, and she thinks that he's marrying her. Yeah. She's immediately heartbroken. And, very much the like love triangle kind of thing. Yeah, yeah curious relationship or... there. She'll do anything for a friend except invest in a restaurant. <laughs> I don't Excellent think Tiana. Point. No, I I actually was thinking about that. I think Tiana didn't ask her to. You don't, well, Charlotte. Technically you don't does. ask. Yeah, she yeah Charlotte does. gives her all the money in Charlotte the end. Gives all the money for the beignets. But like, if yeah. if I well, was trying to make money on my own and prove myself, I wouldn't go up to my rich friend and go, "Give me money, please." No, but your rich friend might say to you, I know this is your dream, I'm going to set you up, and you can pay me back. True. Yeah. yeah. I just think that Tiana's one of those people who's like, I will not accept this. But Tiana was kind she of paying it back it. anyway, though, because she was doing the beignet service. Yeah. So to her, it felt very much like she, was, was she worked towards her goal. Yeah, that's why when Instead Charlotte gave of, the money then, she was like, here's where I can do it. Yeah, and it's very much like she reached her goal instead of someone kind of fulfilling the dream for her. But also, restaurateurs have backers. Like people oh, don't yeah. just. I mean, they have lots of backers. Really. She could have been a backer. Well, Tiana had her father. I mean, they got the money somehow because yeah. no matter whether or not they were frogs at the end, that was still a rundown shack. And they turned were they frogs a, at the end. No, no. I mean oh. for a little bit, and then they became humans. Oh, okay. But they didn't magically have the money when they got turned back into people. They had to come up with it somewhere. Well, once they got married, didn't yeah, then... he just get money from his parents? Maybe? Because that that was was, like a part of the deal. As long as he got married, he would get that. Oh, get the cash. It was either he gets a job or he gets married to a rich person. And he did both, kind of. That's why he wanted to get get married to a rich person is because he wanted the dough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So really, I think maybe she just had some backers. Yeah. I mean, okay, having a prince around would definitely interest the banks. Also, she had an alligator as a bodyguard. That could play trumpet. And yes. did play trumpet. <laughs> Look, that's right. she had a couple backers. Question three. Racism in the 1920s and racism in kids' movies. Do we think it's better to introduce racist themes in kids' movies to kind of educate youngsters, or is it a mistake when you aren't telling the full story due to it being a kids' movie and not being able to include uh, racism in its entirety? Because this film dealt with some racist themes. Tiana, being a young black woman in the 1920s, dealt with some prejudice. But it was never as bad as we know it historically was in the South for obvious PG-related reasons. In the 1920s. Yes, in the 1920s, with the resurgence of the KKK and the fallout of Reconstruction being half a decade earlier and not getting better until arguably the 1960s. Um, 
But do we do we think, especially you two, because you are you have been full because we were there in the twenties. No, because <laughs> you, your parents who have I I want to say successfully raised two children. Um, I mean, do you one. think that? <laughs> do you think that children media should be allowed to talk about racist themes, or do you think that it should wait until it can paint the whole picture? Wait, what is that? What do you mean? Well, like introducing the idea of racism and in. Uh, racial injustice to children through media. I think it should be introduced everywhere, starting from the moment you can learn tolerance and implicit bias and explicit bias. And I mean, the minute that you're old enough to look at the TV and get inundated with right themes. Well, that was a really interesting part of me growing up. Is I grew up. And my brother and Ashley were all grew up post nine eleven, where like every villain on TV was of Middle Eastern descent. So that, that is definitely a racial bias. But like, um, I don't think I watched many things <laughs> with villains. Did you guys notice that when you were growing up with a different, well, like a trend in yes, usually it was African Americans, uh, flashy Cadillacs. Like just just Wikipedia Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be my project after the show. Of course, he wasn't a villain. He, he was wasn't sick. a villain. He no, was a good guy. He was a good guy. But still stereotypical. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, media has failed us in the past, but do you think this movie did good things with the the narrative it was trying to tell about racial injustice? I think you... it depends on who you ask. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. We do have a lot of privilege with the majority of us being white in the... Uh... But I also think that there... I, I mean, so there were... Um, African-American people who loved it, that movie, and then who thought it was a disgrace. No, yeah. And everybody's got sort of a different reason as to why, and they're all valid. Like, everything is valid, right? Nothing's... There's there's a gray area, is what I'm saying. Yep. How you see the show depends on where you're sitting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good points all around. Oh, yeah, that is a good point. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. And the final question. Uh, Disney side characters, always lovable, always fun. Did we love the side characters in this film? Did they make it stronger? Of course, our two main side characters were the alligator, Lewis, and then the firefly. Did we Did we like them? Did they make the film stronger, or did they detract? I loved the Firefly. Yeah. yeah. You, I'm not supposed no. to talk. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're, you're allowed, allowed to feel stronger. Yeah. But they I always have well. that kind of like uh, snuffy smith. They're like, yo, well, all right, let's go get them. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing going go on. Go get them attitude. Like, yeah, you got Pumbaa and the Lion King. Mm-hmm. In uh, Jungle Book with the Bet Baloo the Bear. Danny DeVito and Hercules. What was his name? The, I've never seen, you've never seen Hercules. Oh, it's um the really? the, the really? dude that trains him, right? Yeah, isn't it like Phil? I it yeah, it's Phil. Um, Hi, Rosie. The girl is in Tarzan. I think Disney's specialty is writing very nice side <coughs> characters that can drive a plot along, but still remain under the radar in terms of audience awareness. I think we are forgetting important side characters who weren't on the protagonist side. I think we could look at the shadows from Doctor. They don't really talk at all. Though. They don't, but like side characters don't necessarily have to talk. And I think 
we should talk about those two because they definitely made it stronger. Well, they killed him. Well, for sure, they did drive the plot along. They they drove the plot along. They were there to pick up the story when it needed to come back to the town, they and it was taking armor. too long. They were plot armor. It looked really cool. Then you had the bad the bad guy who was also a boob. The yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His assistant mm. Lawrence. Lawrence. Then you had the neutral guys, the bankers. They weren't good, but they weren't bad. I don't know how neutral the bankers were. They they were. The they were looking out for themselves. They were looking... And like real-life bankers. Yeah, well, they're, they're in their own movie. We just didn't see all of that. Right. Just yeah. came in for a little bit. Then we body. also have, like, Tiana's mother as a side character. Yes. You could count Tiana's father. For a brief period for a, of time. Well, Mama Odie. In the, Mama uh, Odie. Charlotte. I thought this, these side characters had vibrant backstories. They're definitely movies where side characters are like... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Looking at you, Frozen, a little bit. Uh, not a big fan of the side characters in Frozen. Really? Still no. like the Seven Dwarfs. All those animals that come to do all the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're there yeah. and they disappear. It's like they could be any animal. Yeah, right, because the, the heroes seemingly get all the clout, and then the side characters are just thrown aside. Yep. Poof. You need a union for them. Like in Wreck-It Ralph, how they had a bad guy villain's AA meeting. Those were good side characters. So overall, uh, what did we think of the film? Uh, we've touched on the themes. There was um, an interesting thing I wanted to bring up that sure, yeah. I pointed out to Ashley. was on the tarot card where it, it showed Prince Naveen with a bunch of money. You saw a light green background that you would think is a circle, but it was actually a lily pad. Ooh. Hinting at him turning into a frog. And I thought that was interesting, and I wanted to point that out. Sorry, I was really no, excited no. about that. I was so happy about that. Yeah, the movie definitely had a lot of foreshadowing in it, and a lot of uh, a lot of cool kind of stuff going on in the background, paying mm-hmm. attention to it. That's, I feel like that's very much like Pixar's influence on the film because you see yeah. them do that all the time in other Pixar movies, like kind of hinting at other Properties. films they made. Yeah, exactly. Like Ashley pointed out to me last night. Mm-hmm. Last night, Bomb Voyage of Incredibles One fame was also in Ratatouille. Wait, really? Yeah. Wait, who? Bomb bon Voyage. He's the first bad guy at the very beginning of the first Incredibles. Yeah, wait, who was in oh, Ratatouille? Yeah, he's, he's a bit for like a second. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bon yeah. They really, uh, keep, yeah, I'm playing through Lego Incredibles right now and having a wonderful time. I love Incredibles. Yeah, Pixar are really excited to do a lot of their films. <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. But back to the movie we are talking about. Did we like it? I. So the first time I watched it was like 2010. 2009. 2009. I don't remember it because Avatar came out the week later. I just remember watching it at our school because I think Lori showed it to us during an English double. Really? Yeah. That was what I paid all that money for? No, no. It was like one of the days where we finished a huge project in middle school and she was like, do you guys just want to relax this time like, so I can let the stress out? And we were like, yes. Anyway. Um... I don't. I didn't like it the second time as much as I did the first. Aww. Really, the music was kick butt. Um, yes, I really, really enjoyed the music. Yeah, music. I could great appreciate enough. it way more as an adult. I appreciate some of the subliminal, subliminal jokes that only adults would get. But I just I lost some of the luster. It just didn't age well, in my opinion. Well, what didn't age well about it to you? Just it felt a little redundant, maybe, and. Uh, they could have. It felt a little lazy. 
They could have, I don't know, they could have done so much more, but instead they gave us kind of your stereotypical Disney princess movie. Well, I also think you have to remember it, this is this is also for, you know, four, five, six, and seven-year-olds. Right. Even though older people in, can enjoy it. But counterpoint, would you argue that Pixar is primarily for four, six, seven-year-olds? No, I think Pixar got smart, and they made it for four, five, six, seven-year-olds, but the humor is so subtle and so adult well that it goes over the five-year-old's head, and we're in hysterics in the... But Disney can do that, too, I feel like. Well, they could... If they were Pixar. <laughs> well, they are, technically. They are now, <laughs> right? I love this movie. So why? I, why does it hold up for you? I think, well, I have reasons I don't like it, which is it start the, started the trend that, um, like, African-American people get turned into animals in movies, which is kind of, you, there's a trend in Disney movies now. What other movies does that um, happen? Soul. Soul. There's another one that I'm trying to remember. It happened each time. What's the other one? The one with Will Smith where he turns into a pigeon. Yep. Oh, yeah. That is not Disney, though. We should yeah. make that. Well, technically it is owned by Disney, actually. It's owned by Disney. It's just a trend in animated movies or films now, which this started, which isn't great. But I also appreciate the the whole Tiana's whole like personality her goals, her dreams, what she's working for. I appreciate the message. It's just something I didn't get with, like, Little Mermaid. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. Tangled was something different that I was like, okay. Um, I don't know. This movie just makes me kind of happy, and the music is very good. Yeah. What about you guys? Did you like it, seeing it again recently? Yeah, well, we've seen it twice again recently. So, <laughs> yeah. so you, you've been around yeah. Well, you were not there when Mom and I watched it. You well, came for I the last five it. minutes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear about it. I heard about it. That's okay. I don't know. It's not a, that doesn't have the same interest that a Pixar movie would have. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's only the face value. There isn't that uh, extra layer for adults. Mm-hmm. It's like, here it is. But other movies, like Tarzan... That's the same really thing, even though it's aimed at a slightly older audience. Yeah, the music in Tarzan was so well. So the animation, yeah, yeah. Tarzan, I can enjoy watching a little bit more than this one. Yeah, it's a shame because the director for this film was the director for a lot of the Renaissance movies. I think they did the Little Mermaid, maybe Mm. Um, some other movies in the '90s. I'm pretty sure they did Hercules as well. So it kind of sucks that their final movie, especially because this is the last movie in this style, other than 2011's Winnie the Pooh. Made by Disney, and from now on, they're strictly 3D. So it kind of stinks that this is the last kind of representation we get. Although this, by no means, is a bad film. No. And one thing we didn't bring up earlier was just the whole animal rights aspect. You have two people who become animals, especially frogs, and then work in a Creole restaurant where frogs' yeah. legs are certainly in oh, one of yeah. the staples, along with alligator. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you would have to wonder what their feet, what their, uh, would be going into gumbo. That's like, oh, well, lucky, luckily we didn't get turned into a pig. So, well, like, to put pork in there. Can they still understand animals after they turned back? Yeah, they can talk that's, to it. That's kind of messed up. Well, yeah. you just put in headphones and start chopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they paid their due. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah, why? Earplugs, I guess, to be 1920s friendly. Or, or hire somebody else. Yeah, exactly. She's the owner. She can just have, like, cooks do sure, it. Sure, yeah. 
Well, just uh, fun facts that I mentioned earlier that I think you guys would be interested in. Uh, Tiana was based off a real restaurateur who opened a restaurant in New Orleans in the 50s and died last year at like 98. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. And uh, Jim Cummings of Tigger fame plays the Firefly. So. Oh, yeah. I love the Firefly. Okay. Before we move on to ratings, I just want to make a little amendum. Addendum. Addendum. Um, in this podcast, we're including Pixar films, uh, Disney animated films, um, as well as like side Disney films. Like, I would like to look at Song of the South eventually. Oh. Um, uh, stuff like So Dear to My Heart, Mary Poppins, Pete's Dread, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Nightmare Before Christmas, Jan- James and the Giant Peach, like that stuff. Chicken Run? No, 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 no we're never doing that. <laughs> but um, so that that you've been scarred for life. Yeah. I have uh, Pixar, which I think I already mentioned, and then Blue Sky. Studios. I love James and the Giant Peach. It's by the so way. good. It's one of my favorite books and one of my favorite movies. And then uh, Blue Sky Studios, who does the Ice Age movies and like the Rio movies. Um, so you're just like letting this. <coughs> well, they're all they're all owned by Disney, <laughs> right? So they're all technically under Walt Disney Productions in a sense. So it's fun to look at other companies under Time the large watch umbrella the companies. Avengers. <laughs> Maybe. Ah, um, you could technically do Marvel movies. Yeah. That's really? true. You could do a lot actually now that Disney owns everything. I'm really keeping an animated though for this project. Yikes! What? Apparently. Other Disney unit films list Bob's Burgers the movie as coming out next year. Yes. Get we can out. review it. Yeah. Fox. You're kidding me. Yep. It's just 20th century now. Oh, yeah, there's no Fox anymore. So, ratings for The Princess and the Frog. Um, I will go first. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a six on this movie. Still enjoyable, still fun, lost under the luster, and at the end of the day, when I look at the, the filmography of Disney and Pixar, it's not a film I plan on revisiting anytime soon. Uh, Max? Uh, I give it an 8 out of 10, because this is a movie where I can chill and just relax and enjoy it. And I don't... I can just tune out the love interest stuff if I want to. Because it's half the movie is her debating between love interest and restaurant, so I can just sort of tune out and tune back in. Okay, mom. I have to go with a five because I think they would have came back as vegans. <laughs> well, they may be. They may do like vegan and vegetarian. Yeah. Gumbo. Nineteen twenty? Are you kidding? You could. If you were a vegan, you were a commie. <laughs> Ashley, they were frogs. Um, I'm actually gonna give it an eight point five. Ooh. Yes, Ashley, same hat. I really, really like this movie. Um, I think it's really fun to watch. I know it's not all there, but I think. For a Disney princess movie, it's definitely more there than some of the other classics. Snow White. Snow White. Yeah, yeah pretty much. So, yeah. Yeah, I gotta give it a six. Just looking at this list of Disney movies, it just can't. I can't give no. it more, considering all these other movies that Disney has also produced. Especially the movies that I'm gearing up giving a ten for, at least in my mind, like right. Tarzan and I don't like Tarzan. Hercules, Aladdin. Well, then you can give Tarzan a five. I'm gonna give it a four. Are you kidding? Give it a four. Then I'm I giving never liked that movie. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what we'll be watching this week at some point when our schedules align, which shouldn't be hard because once again we're trapped inside our home. Like, is up the 
God, I want to say 2008. Is that right? Oh, look it up. Uh, 2009. 2009. Came out the same year, so we'll be seeing what Pixar's yep. been doing this year. Um, right after Wally. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, Wally. But Up tells the story of a young boy who befriends an older man, and he. Um, well, don't he, give it away! Oh, I'm sorry for spoiling this 12 year old film. <laughs> sorry, 12 years? 11. Spoiler alerts! <laughs> But yeah, it tells the story of a young boy who befriends an old man, and they decide to go on an adventure. As I'm saying this plot, it sounds very creepy. <laughs> it sounds very Yeah, creepy. it kind of sounds... An old man abducts <laughs> a young boy and takes him to South America. Technically, the young boy abducts an old man. Which... Where they meet uh, a talking dog, a rare bird, and an old man with an anger issue. Oh my god, I am so excited to talk about that moral of that story. It's yeah. going to be fun. Yeah, but I'm really excited. Thank you yes. again for coming. I feel the show's getting stronger every passing episode. Wow. This is kind of fun. It's because my voice yes. keeps getting deeper. Well then, um, thank you guys so much for joining in again. <laughs> you listen to your mama now. Don't matter what you look like. Don't matter what you wear. How many rings you got on your finger. We don't care.